Last time on the Weebcast. Gilgamesh comes from a time, you know, before vaccines were a thing. So he sees Kirei's autism, and that really interests him. Corvallo, and we have to talk about, we have to bring this up every review of every anime. We gotta talk about, you know, in what ways did Corvo, where did his tentacles sneak into the director's department? He just becomes completely red-pilled in that moment and chokes her to death. Imagine, like, you just went right up to the big man himself. You went to Harry Potter, you challenge him to the duel, and he's like, oh, where's your wand at? Or where, where's, where are your manners, you know? And then you just pull out a pistol and shoot him in the face. He can't do shit. Hello everyone, welcome to the Weebcast, a very special end of the year uh, Christmas episode. We're not talking about a Christmas anime, of course, but um, you know, this is going to be the last one of this year, so we need to make it special. This is a very special episode, we're all very excited about it. I'm your host, Tony, and today I am joined by Frigg and Jejun. Cute, wholesome, love sex with my cute, wholesome girlfriend, Hatate. I love Hatate. Yes, we love Hatate. And today, we're talking about the very controversial, but very good anime, Fate Apocrypha. Now, Frigg, you you are the Fate expert. Uh, Would you like to tell us a little bit about what Fate Apocrypha is about? Yep. Well, Fate Apocrypha is uh, really confusing. But yes. uh, what's nice about it is uh, if you just kind of, you know, ignore the, the plot holes and, and issues yeah. and just, you know, focus on the important stuff like Jean's yeah. fat titties exactly. and uh, Atlanta yeah. being a cat girl and no other characters being a cat girl for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the important shit, you know, uh, uh-huh. Mordred, Mordred and her sexy delicious armpits those things that's what really matters but uh apocrypha is basically a uh sort of like a fate spinoff kind of uh takes place sometime after the events of zero uh yeah yeah, it's like in between zero and yeah i want to say it's in between zero and fate stay night um and it takes place rather than in Fuyuki, like other Grail Wars, it takes place in Romania. Um, perhaps because of budget limitations. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's a lot uh, easier to shoot in uh, it's Romania. Cheaper, it's cheaper Fuyuki. to film in Romania, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so this Grail War, uh, due to the fact that the uh, kind of the initiating party, the uh, Yigna Millennia family, which is a. Uh, very high-ranking mage family within the Magic Association, but they kind of uh, defected from the Magic Association in order to pursue their own goals. Um, They basically wanted to uh, find a way of doing a Grail War, but kind of cheating it over, so they basically just got all seven masters all together at once to just take a pack to, like, um, basically not really split the Grail amongst themselves, but they basically tried to engineer a situation whereby the the Grail War would just be between all people who were already on the same side anyway. So in mm-hmm. this uh, Grail War, the, the Grail obviously won't really allow these kind of uh, loopholes to be done. So it uh, has an alternative ceremony where instead, because of this situation, it will summon seven more servants and give them to seven other new masters. 
then just have the two teams compete with one another, and then the last team remaining just will have a miniature Grail War with amongst yeah. themselves uh, for who actually gets to claim it. So that's it's kind like of TF2. the yeah, yeah. It's basically a, a TF2ization of uh, you know rather than the uh, rather than the classic battle royale mode that we know and love. It's uh, more of a more of a team deathmatch mode instead. Um, but that's kind of the that's the first major point where Apocrypha is going to break off from all the other Grail Wars we see in uh, other series. So that's kind of the general general background of it. Yeah, it uh, follows. I guess there's two sort of protagonists. There's Sieg, who very would you call him controversial character? People don't like him very much. Uh, you know, I would say that, I would say that the general consensus among most people who watch this anime is Fate Apocrypha is a story where all the characters except for the main protagonist are, like, really top-tier characters, and it's really only drugged down by Sieg being such a, just, really a bad protagonist. I mean, there's a couple... Sieg is, unlike all the other masters who are, of course, they're human mages, um, Sieg is a homunculus who was created basic, along with hundreds of other homunculi just to serve as basically magical energy batteries for the uh, Yigma Millennia team. Which is and, a really uh, interesting idea to have the main character be a homunculus. But they right. don't really do a whole lot with it. He yeah, that's just... the thing. They just kind of, like, the whole story is really just about him overcoming the physical limitations of being a homunculus uh, via sheer plot armor. And yeah. that kind of wears off after the first time they do it. Uh, it. It stops. It starts being kind of bullshit after that. Now, I mean, there's other fake series that star homunculi. Like uh, like Prisma Ilia, I think they do a lot better job uh, by just ignoring uh, the physical limitations of a homunculi and just kind of sweeping it under the rug. I think that's a better way to handle it uh, rather than in Sieg's case where, you know, everyone keeps reminding him constantly, you know, like homunculi only live like one year and your body's already halfway destroyed and like, you know, you died from a single punch to the heart uh, before yeah, but, you know, you can also use magic on the scale of a servant or higher. So, you know, that it's kind of a really bizarre trade-off. A lot of the time when we uh watch this, there'll be moments where one of us would say something like, "Oh, wait, they can do that?" or "I gu- I guess he's doing this now." Uh just, yeah. just like stuff happens for no point for no reason other than plot which is i don't mind personally. i don't mind characters getting deus ex machina powers but it's in yeah. the, i've heard that it was explained better in the original light novel but in this anime they really abbreviated over the parts where c gets a massive power up seemingly out of nowhere they they don't even there's one saying when obviously when he first unlocks the ability to transform so at the beginning of the series, we gotta, we gotta step it back a bit. Like episode one or maybe two, uh, Siegfried, one of the servants of Black, uh, Saber of Black, was uh, summoned, and Siegfried kind of just hates his master really, and doesn't really follow his orders. And when he finds this homunculus, uh, Sieg, who managed to break out of his containment cell, uh, was rescued by Astolfo and basically just kind of hidden 
uh, like Anne Frank. Uh, Siegfried finds him and uh, helps Astolfo kind of get him to escape the castle. When they get cornered at the end, uh, one of the Masters of Black just punches Sieg in the chest, which kills him instantly. And um, because, you know, he's a homunculus and he can barely even walk. And uh, Siegfried just decides to donate his heart, which in the Nasu verse, the heart of a spirit of a uh, servant, you know, they're not really living per se, they're dead people, so their heart is just their their spirit core that kind of uh, defines them as a servant, so he just gives his heart over to uh, the homunculus Sieg, and this pretty much single-handedly, like, this is the piece of plot armor that Sieg is going to rely on for the entire rest of the series. Um... (laughs) And, when uh, we first so that, watched this, that, though, this was like a big fucking retard move. This is like back to the Team Fortress analogy. This would yeah. be like if your medic in TF2 just fucking threw so the scout wouldn't get owned by a soldier <laughs> and then just dies 20 seconds later to a crit rocket. Like, it's that yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because we establish in, in almost every Fate series, we establish... From the get-go, that Saber is the best class for a servant to be summoned under because it has Basically, like yeah. the highest, it has the highest stats and like everything. All the Saber servants are all pretty good generally. Yeah. So fucking Siegfried, who is very obviously supposed to be the most powerful servant of Black, except for maybe Dracula might be a little stronger than him. But uh, yeah, he just fucking gives up his life for a homunculus who. Really, like, you know, realistically, um, they could have just let him die, and most of the story would continue. I mean, the thing is, Sieg is so unimpactful to the rest of the world going on around him. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like he forces his way into the story. Yeah, it reminds me of when we were watching Degrassi. And yeah. uh, Kevin Smith decides to force his way <laughs> into Degrassi High School and just make himself the main character. Yeah. It felt like that. And that's kind of my biggest qualm with the story. But I do think, like, discounting Sieg, the rest of Apocrypha's cast is, honestly, it's some of my favorite fake characters. Oh, yeah. Like, all of them, they're very interesting characters. All the master-servant combos are all really... Like, it's not like the other, you know, in Zero, one of the one of the things I didn't like in Zero was the fact that a lot of the Masters just, they they felt like just kind of side characters. Yeah. And, um, and some of them, like all the Masters of Red, with the exception of Sisigo yeah. in Apocrypha, they are kind of just, they're off screen very early on in the series. But all yeah, the Masters of Black, all the Masters of Black, you, are characters you really they're like you, real you characters with them. backstories and you learn like a yeah, lot even, of like all of their interpersonal relationships with each other even uh, fat hitler uh, even that's fat what we call hitler. i don't i don't oh, remember his name best. he's the yeah, coolest he's like fat hitler. even him his name like, is gordo simp- i think Go- yeah, yeah even him like we sympathize with him by the end like we understand like yeah. who he is as a character yeah. i think the character writing in this show is very good except it, except seek <laughs> but yeah. even seek i don't think seek is that bad seek isn't horrible i mean it's just he is meant to be like the archetype of a blank slate a tabula rasa yeah. character and that just i don't know it feels like it would have 
I felt like it would have been better if Sieg was like a secondary protagonist. Yeah. Like, kind of like how, you remember in Fate Zero, uh, Karia. Karia is very much like Sieg because he's sort of a blank slate character who didn't have a real motivation to enter the Grail War other than just out of, ne- he just had to out of necessity. You know, yeah. so in the in that in that way, Karia is kind of similar to Sieg. He's also another character who is like destroying his own body in order to fight, but he's doing it because he has something he has to protect, yeah. and that's fine. But Karia is not the main character in Zero. He's just a very interesting side character. And I think that would have been a better role for Sieg. I just I don't know. I just didn't really like I, Sieg as main character. Uh, yeah, I think like Sieg as a character, he's not that bad. Like. I'm going to say something that's going to annoy a lot of people. Like, com- compare him to, like, Shiro, for example. He's not, like, that much worse. He's... I, I think the problem with C compared to Shiro is that Fate Stay Night is Shiro's story. Right. Fate Apocrypha does not feel like Sieg's story until it just becomes his story. Right, until he forces his way into it, then yeah. it's Sieg's story. And also, Shiro, I mean, give Shiro some credit. Shiro has... Well, you know, he had a motivation since he was a child. So he has a reason. He has a reason to fight. Sieg really, I mean, Sieg's, like, we have to be really honest here. Sieg's motivation to fight is because, like, he feels like he wants to protect Jan. Um, yeah. The ruler. Who, I mean. Who is, like, the most powerful servant in the show. So he's, like, not yeah. really doing anybody any favors, you know. Well, like, you know, he wants pussy. You know? He wants to puss, you know, blame- which is not a bad motivation. But, like, yeah. he kind of goes to some very... And that, and he kind of gets psyoped into like believing like it's his duty to liberate the other homunculi who just yeah, like him are also dumb. going to die in a year. And like it, this gets like culminated in a scene where like when the the homunculi have their little uprising against the Masters of Black, the Masters of Black are like, well, okay, well, what, like what are your demands? And they're like, well, we'll still like fight for you and serve you. We we just want to be given a choice. And they're like. What do you mean a choice? And they're like, just, we want to be able to choose for ourselves. Okay, well then choose. Okay, we're going to fight for you and serve you. Yeah. Like, literally, there's no... No point. There's no plot consequence to the uprising of the homunculi, other than they just become slightly more backtalky. That's, like, the only consequence of Seed's little rebellion that he caused. So in that, in that, like, way, like, had Sieg stayed in his little containment cell, he probably still would have been a character in the show, because they probably would have saw that he had the aptitude to fight and just used him as a frontline yeah. soldier like they did with the other homunculi that could fight. So, I mean, it's just kind of, it's a really weird, uh, it's strange how they wanted to force him into the main character role, especially when you look at all the other really awesome characters who felt more like a protagonist, such as... Sissigo, the mad, the yeah. uh, mad or necromancer, yeah. they sometimes call him. What about Jewish Frig? Or Jewish Frig, you know, the master yeah. of berserker. Yeah. All of these characters uh, have like a lot more interesting. Well, because they have a backstory. That's the problem. See, yeah. as a created entity, has no backstory. He doesn't even yeah. really have a name. He just decides to take half of Siegfried's name. Because Siegfried sacrificed himself for him, so yeah, like that's yeah. it's how much of a derivative character he is is like exemplified it's like, by it's the fact like, that like he doesn't even have an original name. It's like if Powder Keg needed a lung transplant, and so he got like a lung from some guy named like uh, Gregory. 
or something. And so he's like, oh, my, my new name. And like after he got his lung transplant, he's like, my name is Greg now. It, it's just weird. I suppose you could make that kind of weird analogy. Um, yeah. I just wanted the rope powder keg into it. I Another thing funny. also is that uh, when we establish like the, so who's the antagonist? You know, most Grail Wars uh, in other Fate series, because of the nature of them being battle royales where it's everyone against everyone else there's not really and there are antagonists but it's kind of every character is an antagonist to everyone else in this one because of the setup of this grail war is more like a traditional war where there's two sides yeah we do kind of have uh we we kind of have a pretty clear uh you know good bad distinction um and so in this one, the primary antagonist is uh, the ruler class servant who at first is uh, passed off as a, as a human master, but he actually is not. Uh, yeah. Amakusa Shiro. Yes, who, um, uh, Amakusa Shiro, uh, for background, uh, not is Shiro. The, is yeah, not, not Shiro. Is not Shiro yeah, he looks not, exactly like him. Yeah, he looks exactly not. like Shiro, but um, he's that one like weird... A Catholic guy that tried to force a bunch of Japanese people to become Catholic, and they just fucking killed him. Uh, right, he tried right. to. Well, they. Well, what? What? Shiro. So Shiro re, uh, led something called the Shimabara Rebellion in Japan. Yeah, which was, it was where really gay. It, they, what they tried to do was establish a Catholic enclave inside of Japan, and then attempt to secede from the shogunate to ultimately overthrow the shogunate. And, uh, you know, they had, like, 40,000 people versus the Shogunate had, like, an actually unified army, so they just got crushed. But, um... <laughs> he just got owned. He got owned. Also, they ran out of food. That's another important uh, aspect yeah. of the, the Shimabara Rebellion, if you yeah. read the Wikipedia page, like I did for two minutes. Yeah. Um, the Shimabara Rebellion was basically suppressed by the Shogunate, just surrounded their little enclave and just stopped food from being shipped in until they kind of starved and yeah. then went in and slaughtered them. Um, so that's kind of how that happened. But uh, Yeah, and that's why Japanese people don't like Christians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of retards. that's kind of the reason. Yeah, that dude's attempt to pull a Mormon and like uh, yeah. take over a city <laughs> by force kind yeah. of fucked up relationships with japan for other christians for kind of yeah um but uh wait are you telling me that catholics fucked something up for everyone else yeah i I can't imagine (laughs) that but um so yeah so shiro amakusa he's kind of the main antagonist of the series and his uh his little, his pick, uh, the way, part of the reason why Apocrypha has such a weird grail war compared to others is because of Amakusa bending the rules. So, in the third grail war, the Einstein family attempted to summon a non-standard class servant. They summoned a Avenger class, I believe, or no, they summoned a ruler class servant. And typically, a ruler class is not allowed in a Grail War unless it is, uh, unless it's one like the Apocrypha War, where you have two sides fighting rather than seven individuals. Then the Grail will summon a fifteenth uh, servant to be a ruler. 
the Einsperns somehow cheated and forced the Grail to summon a ruler class servant in a standard Grail war. And then after uh, some point, they don't really go over the history of the Third Grail War, but at some point towards the end of it, uh, Amakusa managed to touch the Greater Grail Vessel, which uh, grants him a uh, human incarnation similar to how Gilgamesh got one at the end of Fate Zero. Pretty much the same thing as that. So that allowed him to stick around for about 60 years. And then um, Kire uh, from Fate Stay Night, his father, Rise, uh, basically just forged a bunch of uh, family registry stuff in order to make uh, Amakusa legally a person. And so he's basically just been like walking around as if he Yeah, he's, he's just been there. He's just been chilling. Yeah, just hanging so, out. <laughs> So for about 60 years, he's been, like, plotting his, like, great plan to subvert the next Grail War. Yeah. Which is essentially all it is, is uh, he's going to get all the Masters to uh, be fighting on the same side and then just uh, hypnotize them into giving up their command seals so that him as ruler, which if you... Uh, if you watch the show, you'll notice one of the class abilities of a ruler class servant is that they have their own command seals to control all the other servants with because they're intended to be a mediator uh, sent by the Grail to act kind of in place of a, of a human mediator from the church. So um, uh, Shiro basically just steals all the command seals of uh, all the human masters of Red and then just commands the entire force of uh, the Red team. Uh, as if they were all his own servant. So that's kind of, that was sort of his big plan. Um, and he intends to use the Grail for what he claims to be the salvation of humanity. Now, of course, yeah, there are... Zardoz were. There are, uh, there are some theological problems with uh, <laughs> Kodamine, with uh, Shiro's uh, salvation plan. Jejun, if you want to yeah. kind of go into that. Uh, yeah, so basically, like Tone was saying, it's he's trying to make it Zardoz world, where he's basically going to forcibly rip everyone's souls out and just kind of keep them floating in stasis so that they don't have any bodies to uh, sin with or do anything bad, because he thinks that flesh is, is, you know, what makes people do what's wrong, but their spirits are ultimately, like, created from God, so they're good or whatever. So he basically decides that, well, if we get rid of all the bodies and matter and just, like have people just kind of floating around as spirits then nobody can sin and everyone's saved which is retarded and makes no sense <laughs> you actually read the bible yeah. which this dude clearly didn't he clearly didn't um, i mean Jan, even and it, it even is Jan. it's a lot like zardoz where people just kind of have this immortality hell world where they're never gonna die and they're never gonna experience true life or satisfaction and that's kind of what jan's uh, antithesis, to his, antithesis to his argument is and why they have like a clash of ideals at the end anyway yeah yeah uh he's a fucking retard basically yeah he's a little retarded um yeah he's pretty but retarded. he is also a pretty cool character um yeah. i gotta give him that you know similar to kirei and all the other all the other trad cats of the series you know they they get the coolest voice actors for them um yeah which really helps them out as characters uh but uh <laughs> we do have to so now now that we've gone over amakusa so amakusa is kind of the illegitimate ruler class servant for the yeah. uh red team um, yeah. Then you yeah. have the Grail summons a new ruler to preside over this fifth Grail war. And that is that Jan. Is Jan. Now, 
Big titty, yummy mom. Big titty. Yummy thighs. Yummy. Uh, just, you know, all around, uh, all around, my opinion, best girl uh, of the show. You know, we really like Jan. Only problem is that, you know, this is where kind of Corbo's writing creeps its tentacles mm. into the story. Because Jan, yeah, Jan, rather than, you know, wanting to be my dirty little cum slut, uh, wants to be like Sieg's mommy or something. Yeah. And yeah, Jan that kind of pervades the entire story. Uh, Jan, by the way, uh, I believe the proper way to say is Jean. I, I don't know. It's some French shit. Uh, here's Jean. the thing. They, they say as, they uh, say Jan, Dark. and we say Jan, and also I don't care that much. Uh, Jan was just some like weird, like schizophrenic woman that Catholics killed, and and then like and then they they thought that was bad optics. Yeah, you know, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh so, shit. So <laughs> Jan's was... so Jan's story is uh, that she uh, led. So during the Hundred Years' War in France, Jan um, basically marshaled up a uh, group of troops to defend Louis the Whatever's uh, kingdom from, I guess, I don't know, Britain or whoever the fuck they were fighting Some against, shit. Germany, somebody. Someone. And she somehow won. Um, and then uh, the uh, Catholic Church decided uh, to execute her for... They allege that she wore pants, and that's obviously wrong because when you look at her her uh, illustration, she's clearly wearing a woman's. She's wearing a woman's set of armor, not a man's. Uh, so it's got like a you know it's got a cute battle skirt. No, maybe and, maybe in the you know, fate boob and boob shaped uh, boob shaped breastplate. So yeah, maybe I don't in see fate they here. executed her for being just way too lewd. I think, that I think that's be, probably yeah. that's probably more likely. She's she's clearly just too lewd for her own good. Yeah. Um but they execute her and then just kind of like I guess a year later decide Yeah. You know, actually so. actually she's a saint. So <laughs> uh, we're, we're making fun of Catholics a lot today. <laughs> yeah, but it's a central focus of the story. It's a yeah. central focus yeah. of the story, I'd say. Uh but anyway, so Jan, um very now, hot. This is this is a pretty funny one here. So in uh in the Apocrypha story we have a couple of pseudo servants, which are not really properly summonable servants. They're uh they're servants that through whatever means you can't just directly summon them. They have to possess the body they have to possess the body of a human in order to be summoned. Yeah, so yeah, and the human she possesses uh, what's uh, her Leticia. name? Her name Leticia. is Leticia. She just happens to look exactly, exactly like Jan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's particularly funny because when we look into Jan the Servants, uh, you know, flashbacks, which are you know a pretty big story element of it, uh, yeah. we see that Jan just looks completely identical as a human to Leticia, mm -hmm. the girl that she's possessing, yeah. uh, and even has the same voice. So yeah, awfully, it. awfully convenient. Really, it's really awfully convenient um, that yeah. that was uh, the girl she, she chose to possess or whatever. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, I don't know about I don't know about Amakusa. I would imagine that if if the ruler of this Grail War had to be summoned as a pseudo servant like that, I would imagine that uh, Amakusa probably had to work the same way in the Third Grail War, but we don't really know that for sure. So yeah, and, and it's I'll weird, too, on like, the side in FGO, probably isn't the case. Um, when someone 
get summoned that way, when a servant possesses someone, they they still look like the person being possessed, correct? Um, maybe. I don't think we actually... Well, see, the thing is... Mash. Mash is a pseudo-servant yeah. of Galahad, and Galahad yeah. is explicitly a male character. Yeah, so and Galahad that's like, does doesn't not even, have big titties. I don't want to fuck Galahad at all. We actually see Galahad as a spirit in FGO, and Galahad is just a normal-looking dude knight. Like, doesn't The only similarity is he has purple hair like Mash does. That's I'm looking at him right now. He doesn't even have purple hair. Okay. purple hair? He has white hair. Oh, <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, like, we, we have a couple examples. Now we do have, like, Ishtar from the Babylonia story, but it is said in FGO that even the Ishtar goddess in the Babylonia story is not the actual goddess Ishtar. It's just Tosaka oh, okay. as a pseudo-servant who, for whatever fucking reason, somehow exists in uh, BC times. Um, for reasons. So that's that seems to be how that works. Um, yeah, it is kind of weird how they made Jan's, uh, host girl look completely identical to actual Jan Dart. But I'm gonna use that, uh, you know, to further my point here that, uh, I I'm just gonna say, you know, Jan, uh, Jan probably was not cross-dressing. She was just wearing female armor, as would be expected. Uh, so, you know, no problem there. Uh, speaking of, uh, Jan, uh, I, I she's think, the... Only character designed by what's his fucking name? Takauchi. Takauchi. All the Every, other characters yeah. in Apocrypha are uh, made by a different artists. So this is, yeah. uh, and the only reason that Takauchi really had to draw Jan specifically is because Jan was uh, kind of a sort of a cameo character in Fate Zero, which was animated first, and. Uh, so they had to just, uh, since Takauchi drew that Jan, they kind of just uh, had to let him also draw this Jan. As well as, I think, uh, Gilda Ray Saber also, I believe, had to be drawn by Takauchi as well. I think he draws them in FGO. Internal yeah. consistency. Yeah, um, um, and I, I think that the... I think I he did pretty his good fucking with name. He does pretty good stuff. Um, I think all the characters in this... Despite maybe Jack, I don't like Jack that much. We'll get over that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I liked their designs in this. Um, I, I don't know. There's just um, it's different, but it's good. Some of the Fate artists aren't that consistent. Like playing FGO, uh, sometimes characters don't look like they're from the same game. But I think yeah, it works in a but weird they way. do. I think they they do it somewhat on purpose. I mean, with yeah, FGO, yeah. they contract a lot of artists that have made other popular series. Like yeah, exactly. Contracted, like uh, um, Brad Amante, for example, hmm. um, related oh, yeah. to Astolfo. This is Xenoblade. Uh, yeah, it just looks like a Xenoblade character. Right, right. And I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Yeah, she looks good as a Xenoblade character. Uh, would definitely have her on my team. They also yeah, Brad Amante is out the, now. The right. Danganronpa, uh, Danganronpa artist uh, drew a couple of the fake characters in FGO and oh, uh, left the same art style. I'm pretty sure the Disgaea artist also worked on FGO for a couple servants. Um, we, we have a we have a you know a lot of big names there. Um, I mean, one of my I, I'm more partial to Redrop. I, I kind of like Redrop's characters the best. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know. <clears throat> It's mainly just because of Kama. I really like Kama. She's all yeah. 
Oh. Um, but other characters. Um, who else? There is Mordred. Mordred. Yeah. Oh Judging yeah, daddy's right. a dirty little about... slut. Let's me, let me fucking yeah, talk, talk about, about this. Go ahead, just go ahead. Holy fuck, Mordred is like the hottest, <laughs> dirtiest little slut I have ever had the fortune of laying my eyes upon all of Jan <laughs> Japanimation. So we gotta start with the casual outfits. It's essentially peak slutcore. And if you don't know what that means, you're gonna find out in a very quick moment. So Mordred has this ultra-tight tank top that clings very tightly to her mosquito bite titties, oh. exposing her soft creamy shoulders and yummy tummy. Her bottoms are an exquisitely tasteful pair of daisy dukes, show off her delicious ass and lickable legs, while keeping her cunny safe and warm for me, her dad. Daddy, and that is what slutcore is about. It made me nostalgic for back in the days when uh, you know girls used to wear mini skirts, hot pants, and Daisy Dukes instead of those fucking yoga pants, which I hope when Tone becomes president, yeah. he will outlaw. Oh, of course. Everything about Mordred's design, it just screams to please raise a loving family to grow old and die together with. And I was doing some independent research, right? And I found out on Fate Wiki that Mr. John Takauchi himself regards Mordred's design as, quote, the crowning achievement of the culture created by Type Moon. I don't necessarily know what that means, <laughs> I but agree. I would have to agree. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Um, I think... I think her design, her casual outfit is pretty peak. The only thing I would say to really drive it to like 110% is add a T-bar. You know, if she had a G-string poking out, you know, sticking oh. onto her vagina bones, that would be like perfect. She would just be, you know, the dirtiest, naughtiest, nastiest, filthiest little cum kitten for daddy. And, you know, she's the kind of daughter wife GF who would hand you a beer while you're grilling your hamburgers and giggle when you just slap the fuck out of her meaty juicy ass yeah. and, you know, that's oh. all i could think about when she was having her battle scenes but you know shit. uh about the lore she's supposed to be like king arthur's illegitimate uh son or something who wants to usurp him and uh she's like some kind of product of incest born from a homunculus i didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to her backstory i was kind of looking more Backside. at the like, uh, at just body and stuff yeah uh, there's a scene where she like plays with a Corbo cat and is just like on all fours chasing it around on the street and that made me laugh pretty hard and uh, she tries to smoke a cigarette and like coughs and it's pretty funny and there's a scene at the end where she owns the fuck out of Semi Mamas and it's pretty hype. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Speaking uh, of Semi Mamas. Speaking of Semi-Mamis, yeah. we have another Corbo character uh, to fill out the roster with. So Semi-Mamis is uh, the like queen of Assyria or some shit like that. I don't know. She's got huge fucking racks, slamming tits. Um, and she also uh, is ready and willing to give a lap pillow to uh, Amakusa at any moment's notice. Uh, she's got a really sexy voice. She sounds kind of like Shinduang from Precure. <gasps> um, and... Uh, yeah, she's just kind of like peak Ojao-sama, uh, but she's also got nice nibbleable elf ears. Uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty cute. I would bite them right off. Yeah, yeah. I'm not chomp chomp. She's all right. Um, I don't like the mommy stuff. She's too, yeah. she's too Corbo yeah. for me. Too she's much a little Corbos. too Corbo sometimes. But we have other Corbo characters to fill out the cast. We've yeah. got Assassin of Black, um, Jack yeah. the Ripper. Oh, okay. I um. I normally don't mind uh, fate, how they portray characters in fate. Like, uh, some people get really mad. Oh, why are they making this historical person a cute anime girl? No! Uh, I don't mind that 99% uh, of the time. But Jack the Ripper disappointed me. 
Because Jack the Ripper is fucking based and red-pilled. You know, right. I, I like to think that if Jack the Ripper was around Jack today, he would be listening to the show right now. He would be just, you know, yeah, yeah. He would be, he would probably be a regular cast member of the show. I mean, yeah. he would be, he would be like the Chad that donates a thousand dollars to Eggy Strings. Yeah, he, yeah, he'd know? be in, he'd be in my streams, D Live TV, uh, Big Tony sixteen eleven. By the way, uh, giving me lemons, giving me ninja guineas, saying yeah. shit about owning women. No, he'd be really cool. But they made him a little anime girl. Uh, voiced by uh, Nero, by the way, which is kind of weird. Yeah, uh, I could kind of I could I, see a little bit of the similarities I, there. I guess I guess it makes sense. Like uh, that voice actress's big role is doing Card Captor Sakura, which is like yeah. a Wally character, so I guess it makes sense in this case too. Uh, I mean the biggest thing is she's obviously she looks very cold. Um, you know, she's just she's not really she doesn't really have any clothes on at all. And yeah, she, Corvo you know, designed this character. Yeah, Corvo just. Uh, and she's Corvo. also got little circles on her shoulders. And if you're, you know, if you're familiar with, uh, you know, Japan culture, you know, the circle means, you know, good. It means okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, Jack is. Uh, I think her. I think she's kind of not okay. I think uh, yeah. they should have put her back in her first ascension outfit. That way, she wouldn't be cold. Yeah, um, yeah. She's a little cold. And it's then chilly. When it's she, December. When she uses her uh, noble phantasm, you know, it, it makes her turn into, like, even more of a lowly than she was already. Yeah. Along with a bunch of other, uh, like, children. It's it's weird. It, it kind of... It's a really misplaced character, and she's not even really properly part of the black team. Uh, her original master... Who was supposed to be on the black team? Some Coral character, probably. Yeah. He yeah. Well, got no, no. Killed then, by. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no, not not the one yeah, who's yeah, the actual right, master, right, right, but the right, original right. master uh, got killed like almost immediately, and then his servant stolen by this other Corvo character. Uh, does anybody remember what her name is, or if it's even given? We just called her Corvo Mommy. We just yeah, we just called her Corvo. Yeah. But she's yeah. she wears she's kinda like this uh she's kinda like this straight prostitute. Rikuda uh Rika. Mm. Corvo think, mommy, that's a better name. They said we, her name never once her name. in the whole show. Yeah. That yeah. probably comes from the, the light novel. That's a problem um, with the show. They kinda don't explain some shit sometimes and you have to like go to the wiki to understand what the fuck is going on no, that's why fine. like that's a good. character did yeah, it's something. All right. I mean, it's no, okay. Fine. But yeah, yeah. uh the Corvo mommy character, she's kind of like a like a street prostitute, but she does have you know real stacked milkers, and uh, she's got like this green uh, one piece yeah. dress. But uh, yeah, she just kind of just does the whole ara ara. Let me like feed you, you know, uh, human hearts, human yeah. hearts and shit. And yeah. Jack just slurps up the human hearts like they're yeah. you know spaghetti or something. And yeah, it's just really weird thing. It's really off. Pudding and just that's like, gross. You know, that's not how you. I don't think that's how you do a mana transfer yeah. for a servant. To be honest, I think well, they, I think they got that a little bit wrong. That's you know, if you're not a proper mage, you know, there there is a correct way uh, to mana transfer. But you know, well, I, I'd rather depict it this way than the proper way with Jack. I'll say that. Um, but you know, I, I'd rather just not. I, I don't know. Like some people may get mad by this. I. 
but I I just didn't like Jack at all. Yeah. I thought she was like kind of boring and not very interesting character. Yeah, I don't know. They also kind of like this show for some reason makes assassin both assassins out to be like the biggest shit ever. When yeah, in any other Grail War, assassin is just the weakest servant and yeah. uh, generally regarded as well. There as there is a scene where smack. someone mistakes Semiramis for Caster, isn't there? Well, yeah, because they they made Semiramis. Uh, as an assassin class servant, they made her so powerful that she uses magecraft on a higher level than the red team. Like she summons hydras and stuff. Yeah, yeah, she's like summoning like the fucking. Uh, They're just literally hydra from yeah, Greek mythology. Up summoning hydra, summoning um, Bathmu, I think is what it's called. Uh, summoning just all kinds of summon shit. Uh, her noble phantasm lets her summon this gigantic hanging gardens of Babylon castle which can also float and travel at really fast speeds and just, like, fire off lasers and shit from it that are able to yeah. take out other enemy servants on their own. Like, she's just really overpowered for an assassin. Yeah. A, a lot of the characters in this show do are seem overpowered. To, it, it seems like every character in their own scene looks like they're the most overpowered character ever. Yeah. Until someone else, like, tops them. By yeah. a factor of ten again in the next scene. It's just—it's really the power scaling is a little bit bizarre. Uh, but I do think that might be partially because in this um, in this series, all of the masters that are fighting are all like both proper mages as well as like pretty high up in terms of having uh, long bloodlines. Except for Sieg. Except for Sieg. Speaking of Sieg being a mage, Sieg's servant in this anime is um another would you say controversial aspect of the <laughs> you anime say. You could say. uh astolfo now i'm gonna i'm just gonna say this right now and i think everyone was expecting this i i really 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 like astolfo <laughs> i think astolfo is great i think astolfo is one of, it probably one of my favorite fate characters uh, up there with um, Nero and Mash, uh, top three for me. But there's kind of a stigma against Astolfo. You know, here's the thing: there's a lot of homos that like Astolfo, and we're we're about to get a little intense here. Now let me explain: these homos they've taken everything from us. First, they took rainbows, God's way of telling Noah that he would not flood the earth again. Now they've made it so your kids can become just like them. And now they want to take my Astolfo. I'm not going to let these Discord moderating, speed running, child raping demons steal Astolfo. And here's the thing, right? People will say, oh, no, the character's gay. Uh, it's the worst thing in the series. Whatever, right? The problem with that is if you give them one character, you give them the whole series. Mm, mm, like a red herring, I suppose. Exactly. The right term a red herring or a canary in the coal mine. Something like that, you know, because... A Trojan horse, I believe. A Trojan, yeah, some, something something like that. You know, you start with, you know, you, you let them have a... So, well, then the next one they're going to go for is Nero mm -hmm. with her succulent massive exactly. titties and buttery pasta noodle hair they're gonna start talking about how like nero was uh 
uh, you know, bisexual or something like that, which exactly. is obviously false because when, when I uh, was playing through Fated Stella Link, uh, you know, I chose uh, the male protag and, and uh-huh. Hero only wanted to fuck me. Yes. So she's not bisexual. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, and it keeps going further. I mean, they'll start saying, you know, that... Tamamo? Uh, yeah, I mean, they may they, even, I mean, they like, may even go for Tamamo one day. They might try to they might Tamamo try to Tamamo of, of being a furry when she's just a, she's a, a true blue kitsune, exactly. which is not the same thing. It's their natural ears. They're not they're yeah. not a costume accessory. They're they're real, you know. Um. <clears throat> Stolfo, I think, is just like a really fun comic relief character i like the i like the scene where when they were fighting the big golem thing and uh astolfo is on the little hippogriff uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah thing whatever it is and, and he uh, whacks it yeah 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 he's, he's telling the hippogriff to like move out the way so they don't get like smacked by the golem and the hippogriff just like decides to be retarded and stop responding so he bonks it on the head and it squeaks like a fumo that's a pretty funny scene um it does actually. It does actually make a squeaky toy noise. The yeah, hits yeah. it on the head. Yeah, it makes fun. a fumo noise. That's fumo. really funny. Um, now, I, I I think Sulfo is just one of those characters that some people will hate and some will just fucking love. And I, I'm the second one. I just I don't know something about this character, man. Just the design. Like it's not even the trap aspect of it. I just like the character. It's just a fun comic relief character. And I, I went into this kind of expecting to hate this character. I, I remember um, when this this came out around the same time as another A1 Pictures anime, Blend S. And I, I remember watching that. Mm. And there was a trap character in it. And uh, this character was so fucking yeah, Hideki, annoying. Hideki fucking sucks. It's he not was even so fucking annoying not even and shitty movie. that he made yeah. me drop the fucking show. Like honestly, I fucking despise. I mean, that I wanted to. I wanted to watch that show too because I like the um, you know, I like the the blind Omega, girl. Well, I like the blind girl because it says sister underneath her. But I also yeah. like the uh, the black haired girl that Micah, uh, because Micah's you know pretty cute. Uh, she's like a surveyor, yeah. but also but this really dumb tiny, faggot easily slam the whole her show. into the ground. Yeah, you could easily slam her into the ground, but uh, yeah. Yeah, fucking Hideki had to fuck the show. He just off. he just ruined the whole show, and I I expected Astolfo to be the same way, but it didn't. Like I I don't know. I think we got down. we got a couple more characters to go over. You know that the show does the show just has a gigantic cast relative to other Fate series. But yeah, I do think it's still manageable. I think they due to the two season runtime, I think they did yeah. have enough time to go over just about everybody. Yeah, two seasons. By the way. Um, a lot of people I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have dropped this show before the end of season one well you really can't you gotta and get to season you two can't season two, all the all the false characters die in season yeah. one well, so in season two it's just only true characters well except frankenstein dies uh one. yeah yeah fran fran and that's another character we still gotta go over so we've got uh, Berserker of Black on the Black team, uh, Frankenstein's monster. Very cute. She's an adorable, lovable retard. She can't really talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And her master is uh, Frankenstein. Um, and, you yeah, know, so she's, she's pretty nice. Um, we've got, uh, who else do we've got? We've got, uh, 
Uh, we've got we've got Archer. Eggie. Eggie's. Oh yeah, yeah Eggie oh, is, is the best. Yeah, Eggie. Eggie's uh, great great grandfather William Shakespeare, uh, pastor of Red, and he's pretty cool. He doesn't really like fight. Uh, he's kind of just like he's kind of just there to be like a, a gamer Chad uh, through the whole time. The scene uh, where he mind breaks his, uh, Jan is that's like his really only good. power. Yeah, his only yeah. power is like mind breaking the female characters. Um, such as, uh, he does that to Fran, and he also does it to, uh, Jan the Ark, and, uh, it's, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good scenes. Yeah, um, I, I will say one complaint, he doesn't really look like Eggy yeah. in this, and, like, as we all know, yeah. the real William Shakespeare looked exactly like Eggy. Speaking of Shakespeare, have you guys ever actually, like, read any of his stuff or watched any of his plays? No. I'm not gay, no. Oh, I'm a huge Shakespeare head, actually. Uh, I like, uh, here's a little secret. Taming of the Shrew is basically the ancient old school version of Daddy Dom Declaration. It's about a mm. dude who tries to mind break his wife and, like, make him his sub- her submissive little cum slut or whatever. And yeah. It's extremely oh. based and red-pilled. Sounds pretty based. And Hamlet and King Lear are pretty good, too. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff he did. And every character in his stories just talks like the King James Bible, and that's why I like them. Yeah. I think he also made, uh, didn't Shakespeare also write, um, The Merchant of Venice as well? Yes, that's so, another yeah, one. So he was based in Red Pilled as well. Um, yeah. All around good character, really like yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, we've got. Cool writer, cool rapper. Uh, just, just cool guy. We've got a couple other characters. Uh, we got Karna, who yeah, just kind of looks like, uh, he just kind of looks like a, like a pretty boy faggot. I yeah. Really like him. I, I like and then we've most got... of the characters in this, I think, look cool. Karna is, like, kind of the standout, like, shitty looking character. Karna, well, Karna's design is just so radically different than all the other characters. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know. Not a huge fan of it. I have him on FGO. He's kind of cool on yeah, FGO. Yeah, I have him too. But, uh. I don't know. Didn't really like him too much in this show. Uh, he seems to just be like absurdly overpowered, and the only character that can really beat him is Sieg with full plot armor, like two command sale spells worth of plot armor. Um, uh, we've got uh, Archer of Black, pretty cool character, Kron. Um, so Kron and Achilles, Kron and Achilles are both in this show. However, due to the um, Due to just luck of fate, uh, they were summoned onto opposite teams, so they do have to fight each other. Um, Achilles, Achilles is a pretty cool dude. Uh, he's got green hair for some reason. I don't think the real Achilles had that, but because Achilles has to canonically be the brother of Atalanta, and Atalanta's already established to be a green-haired cat girl, I guess they, you know, they have to make him at least look kind of related to her. But uh, Kron, he's a pretty cool dude. His master, though, uh, Cripple Titty Chan, uh, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite masters in the show, besides Sisigo. I mean, Sisigo's way cooler, but uh, I like Titty Chan also. She's very nice. Talk oh no, is exactly that Varg? Achilles. Oh, yes, God, it is, is I, it? my oh, fellow European. <laughs> so, I, I want to talk about Siegfried because you unfortunately did not mention much about him. Now, Siegfried represents the ideal. European hero. So Siegfried means the victor. He is the uh, he's simply the hero, the prototypical winner of Europe. Now his legend is about him slaying the dragon Fafnir and being drenched in its blood. 
And when he's dancing with blood of Fafnir, he becomes immortal. And so, in a very Aryan display of self-sacrifice, he gives his immortality to the young and weak Sieg. Mm-hmm. And he becomes the inheritor of his power, much like how Yevrop passed its legacy to America, which has unfortunately failed to live up to that. I believe you wanted me to also discuss uh, Achilles. Uh, sure, if you want. So Achilles, he was a he was a very famous hero of the uh, the uh, the Greek Grecian legends, I believe. Now he practiced the very sacred traditional European rite of pederasty with his master Chiron. <laughs> he was a young horrible youth. Chiron, who is actually a centaur, but somehow for some reason has two legs in this show used his horse cock to rape Achilles. And that is why he has such high stamina and is able to withstand many powerful attacks. And his sexy sister, Atalanta, in one tale, the reason why she has cat ears and tail is because she was transformed into a lion. And the ancient Europeans did not think that lions could reproduce with one another and that they had to breed with a jaguar or a lynx or other cats. Alright, Bar, get, get out of here. Get out of here. Shoot, shoot. Uh, I really liked, uh, I really liked uh, Chiron's master, yeah. uh, Titty Chan. Um, I think her name oh, is yeah. Mel War in a wheelchair. Um, yeah. You know, that only really works in Degrassi when everyone's being nice. Yeah. She uh, isn't Drake. She isn't Drake. So I have that guy from, uh, what was it? Was it? Not the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man? But, um, Doctor Octopus? Yeah, well, kind of like Doctor Octopus, or maybe uh, who was the who was the villain in the uh, the movie with the the elastic mommy bitch with the dump truck ass? It's like a Disney. Oh, Fantastic Four. Fuck. It's pretty cool. It's uh, all of the arms are now, uh, like other Goyim. She's very foolish yeah. and easily tricked, and so she gives up her magic uh, circuits, and now he has full license to groip her. Uh, yeah, no, holy she shit! Can't say Frick, no. I, I gotta ask you this: oh. What if, what oh. if you had an Emoto oh. who is in a wheelchair oh. and you could just gripe her and oh. she couldn't do anything about it? I mean, the possibilities are just endless. Yeah. You know? um, Titty Chan, I I thought she was okay. I thought that the like robot arms were kind of stupid. They were kind of stupid, but I liked them. But they were fun. Like, that, that's that's a lot of stuff in the she, show. It's like, yeah. it's stupid, but it's fun. She, she She's at her cutest when uh, her legs get, uh, you know, her robot legs get disabled and she's just crawling around on the floor and, and can't really resist. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's when she's best. Um, very adorable character. Uh, there's a scene that shows that she used to have a pet dog, and then the dog died, and she cried a whole lot. Yeah, and that's that's pretty based. Uh, Fuck it's very emotionally yeah, manipulatable. Uh, really yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, who else do we have? I feel like we got a couple more songs uh, to go. What in. about we got uh, Lancer, Mr. Yigda Millennia? Oh, I, I want to. Millennia, yeah, he's. Yeah, I, I want to mention first, um, Astolfo's master, um, m- probably the most Corbo character. Oh, yeah, his original, thing. his original master. Not H- his Steve. original master, um, very evil, um, very Corbo. Um, yeah, she's like one a, of one of the she's most. She's like a cock and ball torture, yeah. like dominatrix woman. Um, yeah, she's kind of hot. No, but, uh, she's also. I mean, I would. No. Yeah. I mean, would. No, but... no, no, no. no. No, 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 no. She's she's the, the most cuts, man. probably the most evil um, 
anime character out there. Um, very bad, very deplorable. Um, just just a just an evil evil person. Now, of course, um, Mordred. Uh, in my favorite scene of hers, uh, cuts her head off, which is really cool. Um, because she, you know, she she keeps like screaming and uh, shrieking yeah. like an insane bitch at Astolfo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, because Astolfo's like, no, I don't like you, you stupid bitch. I like right. Tony, and she's like, yeah. no, you can't like Tony. And yeah. then Mordred is like, yes, she, uh, Astolfo can. And then Mordred cuts uh, her head off. Yeah, it's really it, cool. it happens something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do the the one. I think the one redeemer of her character. I do like that. Out of all the masters, she's the only one that summoned a servant specifically just to have sex with. Yeah. Uh, as just a character motivation, that's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's what funny. I what I, I would probably do something similar. Yeah, we would all do that. Wasting two command seals on like fuck me right now. You know that's yeah. I'd, I'd use a command seal to get Nero to suck my dick for sure. Yeah, and it's definitely definitely on the table. Um, uh, still gonna talk about Darnick and Lancer of Black of uh, Vlad yeah, III. Flat, uh, yeah. He's a pretty cool character. I, I really liked his design. I thought he was uh he was real cool. He looks like a Castlevania character. character. He looks like a Castlevania character, which is awesome. Um like a modern but, uh, castle like Symphony of the Night yeah, era yeah. Castlevania. Um you know, kind of vaguely similar almost to Sephiriah. If Sephiriah. he had a lance. Sephiriah, <laughs> if he had a, a lance instead of a sword. Number um, fifteen. Number fifteen. Separaya. Separaya. Um, he's pretty cool. Uh, now, due to kind of the Yigna Millennia's, you know, they wanted to. They obviously from the get go in the Square War want to cheat as hard as they can. So uh-huh. when Darnick summons, uh, when Darnick summons Vlad the Third, he's just like, all right, cool. We're gonna like put the Grail in Romania and force everyone to fight in Romania where Vlad the Third would have the most power level because it's it's his territory. Yeah. Um, and that's actually a pretty effective strategy to begin with. Uh, Karna seems to have a little bit more plot armor and uh, sort of forces uh, Vlad the Third into a corner uh, where he is forced by Command Seal to use his actual noble phantasm, the Legend of Dracula. Which is pretty cool for the whole ten minutes that he uses yeah, it. Uh, it's yeah. really awesome. It turns him into like an ultra powerful vampire. Well, he tells his master, "Don't fucking use. Don't make me use my noble phantasm, or I'm gonna fucking kill you because I don't want to become Dracula." Right. And then he does it. Does it anyway. Uh, yeah. Darnick. Uh, Darnick's backstory is pretty funny. So he's a mage that has been around for probably over a hundred years. But yeah, he um, seemed dressed like a Nazi at one point. There's there's a mult, there's a point where we get a flashback to the Third Grail War, which is revealed to actually have been World War Two, and uh, it shows how um, <laughs> Darnick. Uh, snaked his way up the uh, the Nazi government, and uh, I guess used that to somehow acquire the Holy Grail's vessel. Yeah, um, I don't understand why he didn't just win the Grail, uh, but you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. They they leave a couple loose ends open, but whatever. Uh, so he you know he starts World War II in order to steal the Grail. Um, and he gets it, moves it to Romania, and uh, he's pretty pretty cool. Uh, I'd say he's a pretty cool villain character, even though he's on the uh, team that you're supposed to be rooting for. Which yeah. I mean, maybe you know, what did, what did Mr. Fake Nasu mean by that? Hmm. I don't know. But um, 
you know, it's cool character. Uh, he forces Drac, or he forces Vlad to turn into Dracula, which of course pisses off Vlad. Um, and yeah. so he kills him, but then he just uses his remaining command seals to force. This is like the most bizarre loophole that sh in other Fate yeah. series would not be possible because the the power level of a command seal really varies wildly among the Fate series. In Apocrypha, they seem to be the most powerful, um, so he can yeah. use command seals to force Dracula to absorb the mind and spirit of Darnick and replace his own mind with Darnick's. That, that, like, it's so beyond retarded levels of Keikaku, but, uh, that works, yeah, so... It works. <laughs> so, uh, Vlad becomes Dracula and absorbs Darnik's soul into himself so that Darnik can just control Dracula directly or live through him or something. Yeah, so he's Dracula for, like, ten minutes. Ten minutes. And he's, he's just fucking, fucking destroying. Dies. Yeah, and, and, and until he dies, him. he's, like, fucking destroying all the other servants. It's really cool. Really cool. And I, I don't know Jan, when his end goal Jan, was. It's like, you oh, know, and he he's may Dracula have, now. Uh, fucking had one i mean darn it yeah i don't i don't think he thought it out that well he had a while to do it he was one of the most like chaotic insane characters in terms of just having like yeah. a real how come how come when he used the command seal to make him dracula he didn't do it from a safe distance because he was like standing above on a ledge and he's like yo become dracula and then no. he's like he like has a flashback to when he says he's gonna kill him for doing it, and then Dracula just jumps up and fucking kills him. Like he could have just been Yo, safe idiot. in the castle. And <laughs> yeah. Dead. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a fucking retard. When you think. He's kind of a retard. Uh, but he does appear to be pretty strong on his own right. Um, but anyway, so Dracula starts slaughtering all the servants pretty handily, and then Jan, as a uh, killjoy Janny, decides to just use her command seals to force all the other servants to kill Dracula. Amakusa ends up finishing him off pretty handily, since uh, vampires are very weak to uh, having the KJV read to them. So that, that kills him pretty quickly. Um... And that's kind of the end of uh, Vlad's character. It really sucked because he had an interesting and cool power. Uh, the ability, his noble phantasm was not using stakes to pierce people, but his noble phantasm was the concept of being skewered, which would basically just allow him to just kind of yeet people out of existence, even if they're like flying through the air. Pretty cool power. I think Vlad was probably the coolest character in the anime. I think he had one of the more, like, abilities that on paper was really OP, but just kind of fizzles out in practice for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, uh, Berserker is cool. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Spartacus. Spartacus, yeah, Berserker, Spartacus, Spartacus, Spartacus is great because he's just like a retard. And he's yeah, he's stomping just around. Like, yeah, and he's, he's just smiling the whole time. He's always in a good mood. And that's cool. I can respect yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like a... Uh, He's like a chaotic neutral uh, character. Like he he wants to be a good guy, but whoever the last person told him is the real oppressors, he'll just like switch sides immediately. Yeah. He's really dumb and retarded. Yeah. Uh, he's a cool character. His ability is uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's just to absorb a bunch of damage and then release all of it at once. Um, pretty stand pretty bog standard ability, but uh, it does look cool. Makes him turn into a giant, like, inflation mass and then pop. Uh, just funny. I think they got him to switch sides, like, three different times during the course of this. 
simply by just like telling him like, well, you want to kill the oppressor, right? And he just goes like insane. They're like, okay, well, he's over there and just points and he starts running. Really funny. I think berserker characters and like writer characters are consistently always pretty cool in Fate. Yeah, they always have a, a little bit more like, the berserker characters always have like, no really hard and fast motivation they're just like single-minded they're they're like gamers. yellow pp monster yeah they just yeah, do yeah they just yeah. do what they want why does yellow pp monster do that the writer characters just in every face series so far have like consistently been the least serious characters like they don't they do have like a they do have like a desire for the grail or whatever, but like they're also laid back chill characters. Like I mean, we remember uh, Iskandar and Fate Zero is probably one of the coolest characters. Um, definitely most interesting, and uh, you know he's, he's able to he's able to hang with the boys and get drunk, which is yeah, cool. and play video games, play video games, and yeah. bully women. Yep, he's uh, he's cool great character. Uh, and then we have uh, man, how many damn more characters are you? You forgot Black Caster uh, and Corbo Kid. Black uh, Corbo no, Kid gets gone. killed. Uh, the golem he gets turned early. into oh, a golem. golem. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. So one of the characters of the show, um, Bron or Solomon, even Gabarol, uh, apparently, I, I want to say he's the guy who invented the Kabbalah or something like that. Yeah, uh, something like and that. Uh, something like that, and his entire character trait is just tricking the goyim. Like that's yeah. just, that's his character. He's just trait. like a fucking like dick. He just doesn't do anything. But like, he, like doesn't care about the grail. Really. Yeah, he just like he, he just wants to make like, a big golem. He and just then wants he to make a it. big giant golem, and he sacrifices his own master to do so. Uh, yeah, and, and his uh, master is Corbo. He's um, also really autistic, and so he wears a mask not because it's like part of like his. You know, it's not armor or like practical or anything. He just wears a mask because he doesn't like looking at people. Yeah, and do eye contact. That's he doesn't want to do eye weakness. contact. That's his weakness. Yeah, yeah it's he's really autistic. funny. Um, he is a pretty, you know, despite how much they hype this guy up in the show, like his abilities pretty are underwhelming. Weak. I mean, the big golem, uh, his uh, what was it, golem Keter Malkuth? That's pretty cool and uh, pretty OP. But like his generic personal skills of creating golems, like they're just so fucking piss weak that like. They, they, uh, none of them are able to compete on the level of a servant at all. Uh, they're pretty much only useful for taking out the other team's trash mobs that they summon, which are just like these gay little like skeleton warriors that don't pose a threat to fucking literally anybody. Being it's like the basic like homunculi that they summon just to defend the castle, like even they can kill these fucking things. And so the golems are kind of just ancillary and not really necessary. Uh, any of the serve, even fucking assassin, can just like casually, like with the flick of a finger, destroy one of them. So they're they're really kind of pointless. I don't know. His character didn't really like him. Yeah, um, he was just kind of underwhelming as a character. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, there's necromancer. Did we talk about him? Yes, he's a go. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Um, he's cool he guy. looks like he wears big dog shirts. Uh, so that's yeah, cool. I definitely. can respect that. He he definitely has a salt life sticker on his big pickup Hell truck. Yeah. And, Hell uh, yeah. He smokes <laughs> cigarettes, nuts. which is cool. 
Uh, all of his abilities are really cool. He uh, carries his primary weapon is this double-barreled shotgun that shoots out uh, shoots monkey, monkey fingers. Yeah, yeah it shoots monkey fingers, which I guess have some sort of voodoo magic in them or something. I don't know. It looks really funny every time he uses it. Um, he's got this like heart grenade thing that he uses, which is just a human grenade fashioned to look like a uh, or a human heart uh, fashioned to look like a grenade. And it doesn't actually do anything. It's just a distraction tool, uh, which is really funny. Um, he's got a bunch of other interesting abilities, but uh, definitely Sisigo and Mordred, out of all the master-servant pairs, probably had the best chemistry. And, like, you just got to see a whole bunch of scenes of them just, like, kicking back with each other. And, like, even when they're fighting, like, they're they're just, like, casually just, like, this is, like, a joke for them, basically. Yeah. I think... Uh... I think most of the servants' masters had like a pretty interesting relationship. Uh, even like Sieg and uh, Salfo and uh, Jan. Yeah, even, there yeah, was even stuff going on. They had, you know, um, were... but like uh, what's their name? Titty Chan and Achilles. Titty Chan and Achilles. Not, not Achilles obviously, Chiron. They obviously wanted to fuck each other the whole time. They obviously time. wanted to fuck. I mean, uh, this dude Chiron... has four legs and she has no legs. So right. Yeah. So they were over. they were kind of meant to be. Uh, yeah. But Chiron, you know, being gay for Achilles, kind of stopped that one. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. uh, in its tracks. Um, yeah. Atalante, uh, you know, she she swore some vow to chastity, but I would probably waste some command seals to to rape her. Oh, of course. Um, that's why, that's why she's so butt hurt when uh, really Jan kills Jack because she she's got that she's you know she's a she's an angry cat with baby rabies and she fucked herself over by swearing some vow to Diana or whatever stupid pagan moon bullshit that she'd never like get fucked. So now she like has to watch all the other girls with their you know families and their babies and their kids and just kind of get cucked by that and she's like eternally seething so she kind of like simps for children yeah essentially let's uh let's move on from the characters and talk more about the show and just as a whole its production mm-hmm. its quality the animation yeah uh i think the sound design and the music and the voice acting yeah. all of that is the best in the series in my opinion absolutely i think um, um the sound effects are great the music's right, great right. they actually avoided using team fortress 2 engineer yeah. voices uh as long as they possibly could i think it was yeah. on the, the final battle. You, you were saying there were tf2 noises those were not tf2 noises yeah, uh, what was that they were just the- like they're just like incredibly fucking like like when something explodes it's like I don't know, it just sounds so fucking loud and so cool. Yeah, the explosion really explosion it. noises in this, I think, are done very well. Um, they sound like every explosion sounds like a controlled demolition explosion, if you've ever heard one of those in person. Like, it's a, it's a pretty accurate recreation. Uh... It's, it's not like it's, like, it's like not like a stupid Michael Bay explosion. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the that. type of shit where if you saw this in the theater, it, it, not that it played in the theaters, TV show, it'd be like shaking the whole fucking room, yeah, which is yeah, awesome, really good. Um, um, so we have a really good speaker setup. Absolutely, Watch yeah, this. absolutely, gotta give this props though for sound design and the, and the music. The OST for this is probably one of my favorite Fate OSTs. Uh, just really good. All the songs are hype, and every main servant, every, all the servants of the main cast, all have their own uh, OST tracks for each of them. Which is pretty impressive considering how fucking many characters they have in this. I think and I, I really like that. The best. 
Yeah, Cisco uh, has a really cool one. I like that. It plays whenever him and Mordred are around, and it's very yeah. laid back. And I think I think it just fits his character and their dynamic. Right. Uh, the battle music is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. Now, what it a pays lot of a people... price. It pays a price in animation. I think. I think the animation in this show is not that bad. This is A One Pictures, and it's uh, I believe a lot lower budget than the other shows. I w- I would assume. Yeah, Ufotable. There is kind of a reason that Ufotable has become sort of just the face of animated fake stuff. Just. They, they definitely do the best job with it. This one, you know, the animation quality is not too bad. It's more the level of detail of characters drops so drastically during the most important fight scene. It's like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of fights in the show that are, like, short and not uh, conclusive. Like, neither character dies. So just basically fights that are unimportant, pretty much. And all those fights have stellar animation and yeah. really good level of detail. It's when the, it gets the to long like fight. the long fights, the last at the five end episodes. of the series. That is and the, but they're awesome. so cool, though. They are like, really. Cool. They, they're yeah. so fucking hype. Like I think, I, all, I think the the fights are at least well choreographed, and that's that's nice. It just does like things like. A lot of detail goes. I well. still, I still gotta give it props because, like, this is a this is a much lower budget show. Oh yeah, and this is not a studio really, yeah, equipped to to like making this type of show that they mm-hmm. made. A one pictures can do really good slice of life shit because that's easiest shit to animate. Yeah, things with low motion. Things that are easy with low motion and have not very... An uh, important feature of this show is the extreme diversity of settings and environments. Like, the characters are constantly on the fucking move all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you rarely and, and, see the same background shot twice. Yeah. And, and like, the Sieg Karna fight, for example. Like, there's so much shit going on. And, like, the yeah. level of detail is, like comically low at scenes but it moves so smoothly and everything is so exaggerated that i think it works i think they i think they try to do they're trying to pull off the effect that some other animes use this for fights that are between extremely high level characters that they will do this exaggerated low detail motion to like give the uh it's supposed to it's supposed to emphasize like the power level of these characters is so high that like a normal person couldn't comprehend what's going on because it's moving too fast and the seed karna fight like i don't think there's any cgi in it no it's all hand drawn and it looks like show is remarkably CGI as much as it can. There's a couple scenes like uh, every time that uh, that um, Jack the Ripper shows up, CGI goes rear its head again because of her uh, excessive use of um, shiny metallic small blades. Those are obviously going to be CGI'd, uh, but they don't look bad. Uh, I think it does a good job with the minimal CGI it does use. I, like I, I don't know. Like I feel like as someone that's very, very, very critical of CGI, like I, I have to give credit to it because like that Sieg Karna fight, like there's none of it in there, and it oh, yeah. looks like it all looks hand-drawn. It looks, it looks like an old school, yeah, anime. Like, it, like even, it looks like something from the 80s or 90s uh, I to think, an extent. I think the, the way coolest it's part. I think the coolest part of the Seed Karna fight is when Karna finally unleashes his more powerful noble phantasm, 
it like change the art style changes into almost like a DBZ style in yeah. a way. Like when you see like DBZ characters like using uh using their power ups and stuff, and it begins to start blurring the lines. Uh, instead of being like solid cell shaded, they become like look like they're drawn with a pencil kind of design. Like it does that kind of thing to communicate surging power levels. I think that looks really cool. They pull it off really well, and like with the minimal budget they had. They definitely did like uh, make all the action scenes very interesting. I I think I I love the look of it. Um, honestly, so this might piss some people off. I I think that I like the action scenes in this a lot more than Unlimited Blade Works. Unlimited Blade Works does it does lean heavily on. There's a reason people call you Photable Unlimited Budget Works. Uh, they they like to lean really heavily on super flashy CGI effects, and they do good CGI. Like you, Photable CGI is some of the least janky looking. Yeah, but this like, like feels more raw. It feels more impactful. Yeah, it's definitely like a lot of the major fights will give you some goosebumps when you're watching them, and that's that's an effect that it's really hard for a lot of modern anime that are solely cgi it's really hard for them to replicate that feeling um you know another great fight is um chiron versus achilles you know they're fighting now yeah. they're not having gay sex anymore and, and they Jeju throw down their weapons out, at the beginning and it's just a fist fight the whole time Je- yeah Jeju's theory was that seth mcfarlane himself directed this fight oh yeah yeah yeah, it's like the giant chicken battles in Family Guy, because they're just slugging at each other for like five fucking minutes straight. It's yeah. like, go on YouTube, it's... look up Peter versus Chicken, it's just like it. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's really, Seth MacFarlane's role in that, like, it was really good that they brought him on to choreograph that fight. It's it's like the the end fight of Metal Gear Solid 4, which is one of the best fights in any video game, in my opinion. Um mixed with the family guy chicken fight because there's like the emotion of like the metal gear solid 4 fight but there's also just like it's so fast and action-packed like the chicken fight and it works so well i just like there's like a comic use of blood because like these characters they're fist fighting Mm -hmm. and uh it's just like man achilles is just getting his fucking head caved yeah the whole fight until he turns it around at the at the end like achilles is just getting his fucking face smashed and there's so much fucking blood and shit i I forget it's a fun fight and it's like five whole it's super long it's really long yeah most decisive anime battles like that that take place in one scene they try to cut it really short but this one's just like yeah. Solid all the way through. Really I've heard good. the name of the uh, move uh, Achilles does, but he uh, puts them in some weird like uh, time zone or something. And he's like, okay, we're on completely fair ground. There's no random chance here. Time is frozen. This is just based off of also skill. Also weapons and weapons. Also and no weapons. Work. Yeah. yeah. He basically and, uh, he basically locks Achilles locks uh, Chiron into like a one v one smash no items uh, one stop. Yeah. It's like a CS CSS knife fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fucks him up. Yeah. Also, you know, Achilles is... He doesn't die from it. Oh, he only took away his divinity. ability to have immortality. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Achilles does get, uh, he gets properly killed later when he goes to, uh, put down Atlanta because, uh, you know, Atlanta as a cat girl, uh, she gets, you know, she gets wet and that makes her really pissed off. And so she becomes Atlanta Alter. And she kind of is just, at this point, uh, Achilles just has to go put her down because, uh, she's kind of lost her purpose. And, uh, at the very end there, uh, he does basically a sacrificial attack on her that results in him getting killed as well. So that kind of, that ties up those two plot threads, and they're kind of just gone from there. Towards, I mean, unlike a lot of the other Fate shows, like, the rate at which characters get killed off, it's really slow. They really drag it out to the last five episodes for characters to actually start getting killed. The only one that gets killed early is uh, Frankenstein, and uh, she kind of she kind of does some sort of weird plot magic that kind of grants all of her power to well, see. Well, I actually have an explanation for why she died so quickly. Why she died? Okay. So here, here's kind of a, a little bit of a white pill. You know, Frankenstein. We kind of didn't cover her very much. You know, I said Mordred was slut core, and that was pretty good. But to be objective, to be principled, Frankenstein is the best girl just because she's a big titty sexy retard fat juicy tits and she just grunts and growls all the time and the reason why is you know you've heard the rumors on the net that the p fisser vaccine uh makes people uh it's kind of like a lobotomy so basically you know she took the vaccine and then she kind of died from it or whatever but what i'm trying to get at here is that if these rumors are true then we got a huge influx of retard gfs just ripe for the groping and it's going to be totally mm. fucking legit that's uh, yes the, 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 there's a, there's a little hole in your uh in your plans um the the uh vaccine supposedly uh sterilizes uh women oh what the fuck bill gates <laughs> Fucking the Bill Gates <laughs> give it and the Bill Gates take it away. Fuck. Fuck. fuck Bill Gates. Fuck Windows 10. Yeah, fuck Windows 10. Fuck Bill Gates and fuck Jannies. <laughs> Alright. Um now my favorite fight in this anime is uh Sieg versus Shiro. Now this fight is really fucking dumb. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Plot but, uh, armor through the fucking plot roof. armor, plot armor through, through the roof. The so apparently, Sieg has already used all of his command seals. So Siegfried is uh, just gone. Yeah, is he gone. can't become Siegfried anymore. He can't become Siegfried so anymore. Instead, and he's slowly becoming a dragon now. But uh, sometimes I don't even think they showed it on screen when um when Frankenstein died. Apparently, Sieg absorbed all of her power. Somehow. I don't. I guess that just happened. She, Somehow, she I don't. I don't really care something. to be honest because it's cool. So yeah, it, it, it looks me. cool. It's, it's it an looks emotional. Cool, so I don't care. Um, yeah, and so see, uh, just fucking like starts screaming and just yeah, he just goes on. Mode. Yeah, he just like see so like drops. Fucking cool. It's like Sieg finally like goes like full gamer mode, gender, yeah. and he's just screaming. He goes from Sieg. To Sieg Heil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, like uh, that. He's, like, foaming at the mouth, like, just splashing wildly, but uh, it's it's really cool. Um, also, Amakusa, at this point, uh, has lost an arm because he had to use some sort of bizarre, like, sacrificial magic to uh, nullify Jan's noble phantasm. So he's fighting with one arm versus Sieg, so it's not quite as impressive that Sieg was able to beat him. 
considering that uh, Amakusa doesn't really properly have a noble phantasm like the other servants. He just has like a bunch of busted class skills, and he's also got like a busted personal skill. So there is a scene earlier in the previous fight between Jan and Amakusa. You remember where he did the thing where his arms started glowing and cut one off to like absorb. So they don't explain this amazingly well in the anime, but they do explain in the light novel that what it is is one of his arms is sealed with this uh, perfect magic crest that allows him to use pretty much any uh, high-tier magical ability. He basically, he in his left arm, he, or it's either his left or his right, it's one or the other, it doesn't really matter, but one of them uh, contains the ability to use pretty much anything that a caster class servant can use as far as high-tier magecraft. One of them does that, and then the other one gives him uh, some other shit. I'd have to look it up again to see what it is. But it's basically, he, he has like this really busted personal skill that just lets him uh, compete on an equivalent level to like either a caster class servant or at some points a sacred class servant. Despite kind of other than that, not really having any of these of his own. Um, so he can't like can't really fire off any like massive attack or anything so when it does come down to the fight between uh Sieg and uh Amakusa it really is just a sword fight with that's just down to skill and I'm gonna say uh any like fight in an anime where like the main characters this goes for any like type of uh film or media you need to have the main characters just fucking wailing on each other. Just hate each other. Yeah. Just the, like, I hate they fucking hate each other. Like, yeah, like yeah. Shiro's like, oh, I don't hate you. And Sigi's like, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna kill fucking you. I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cool. There's like, even, I, I there's even a part where, uh, there's even a part where when they clash swords, uh, Amakusa just like casually says, you mad, bro. Uh, it may have just been the main sub that we were watching. I might have just said that, but he I, basically uh, said, you mad. Dude, and that just kind of pissed him off even worse. Dude, like, that, that's kind of a thing I don't like about a lot of anime. Um, they, they try to have these the, the main character fights. is never, is, yeah, is always, like, honorable. Seek just wants to fucking kill this guy, and it's right. so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, he definitely... Yeah. It's like... He definitely goes full gamer like, mode on him. I think it, it adds that a really moment, good element of catharsis now if they didn't fuck up the ending i would have said that that moment like really redeems sieg as a character like it it really like i i don't know like showing him like give a shit about something that much is really cool right because up until this point sieg was like up until this fight sieg is kind of the most apathetic character in the show since due to being a homunculus he just doesn't really have a motivation he's autistic and he's he's only really fighting just because like he feels he needs to for some vague reason but then you know then the show gives him a gf and then takes her away from him and that's that's when he loses his shit and that's really cool but then after defeating amakusa and being granted the remaining power of the grail see amakusa had already kind of coerced the grail into beginning to grant his wish um so he didn't really have full power anymore so sieg's retarded ass idea for how he's going to use his one wish to the grail is like okay well we gotta undo amakusa's wish so uh 
you know, can the, can the Grail be stopped? And the Grail's like, no, it can't. And he's like, okay, well, like, what if we, what, what, what if I moved the Grail, uh, the Greater Grail vessel to the other side of the world? And she's like, I guess you could do that. And he's like, okay, make me a dragon. Well, no, to be <laughs> fair, to be fair he was they did establish that he was going anyway. to become a dragon anyway. But, like, I really wish that they had some way to have, like, a better, more satisfying ending. Like, I, I get, like, oh, well, you know, he's becoming a dragon, so, like, that's what he has to do. But they, just, yeah, just write they, it different. Just fucking write a different ending. They should have wrote it different because he had to, like, sacrifice himself anyway. And it's been established through the whole series that C, as a homunculus who's poorly constructed. I mean, he's going to die in a year. He's already burned out with all of his magic circuits using all these high-level techniques. So his crazy batshit idea for, like, how he's going to stop the Grail is, well, make me a dragon, and I'll just pick up the Grail and move it somewhere else so it somehow... It doesn't even properly explain why that makes it not work because they just said one scene earlier that the Grail can't be stopped and that it's it will continue to process the previous wish until it spreads to the whole world, which makes me wonder how the fuck does moving it to Antarctica make any difference? And they don't explain that. I would have wrote it as Sieg just, like, uses the Grail to, like, wish for the Grail to be transported into the sun or something like that. So, yeah. it's just, that would be... So, I mean, I get it, right? He like, could have done that. He, he's he turning into a dragon, that. but, like, just make it so he doesn't turn into a dragon. Why has he got to do that? That's stupid. Like, yeah, or, I mean, he could have he could have here, requested... Here's, here's the thing, right? Right. You know, Sieg, uh, say what you will about him. You know, he's the main character. You want to see him get his dick sucked at the end, Right. right? And, you know... They deny him of it at the very end. Yeah. You know, it kind of looks like he's fucking the Holy Grail. He might he might have his dick inside of it. I don't know. He might. But, like, you really wanted to see him get with Jan at the end. Right. And they just kind of ruined that for him. And yeah. also, now, Jan the Servant was killed. However, because she is a pseudo-servant having a body, um, and she didn't get killed by, like, being stabbed or anything. She got killed by using the sacrificial attack. So it just destroyed the, the spirit core. Leticia, the human, is still totally alive and fine, but I don't know, I guess Sieg was, like, autistic or something, and, like, didn't want to fuck Leticia unless she was possessed by Jan. I don't know, some weird shit like that. So he could have just wished the Grail to be like sent to the sun or like out into like outer space somewhere, and attempted to live as much of his normal life as he could until he becomes a dragon. It seems like he could have just done that. Yeah, but they didn't. But you know, at the end, um, she does tell Stalfo because Stalfo is alive forever. Um, now I think due, yeah, that's due how to, yeah, when when a servant and a master uh, enter the Grail together like that, uh, yeah. the servant can either just have some wish granted, which Stalfo doesn't really have one, yeah, or they can just accept being incarnated. I don't think he's immortal; he's just incarnated as a human. Yeah, and so he so, has the know... he has all the abilities still of a servant, but he will be like a physical human body that yeah doesn't and so sieg says to Estalfo, you know go make someone happy and you know sieg's a bro for that because he's obviously talking about me right and i really appreciate that um so yeah so Estalfo just goes out to travel the world now he is still retarded so when he's got his map out there like his map is 
showing some like European countries or some shit. Uh, so he's obviously I'm not in Europe. He's not really going the correct. He's not really going the correct destination, but uh, he'll probably get around to there some point. Uh, Leticia, for some reason, seems to keep all the memories of Jan because she seems to be cognizant of everything that happened during the whole well, I think, war. I think Leticia likes. Sieg. She likes Sieg as well, but yeah. uh, you know Sieg's a dragon now, so yeah. it's not like that can really work. Uh, also, yeah. he's in Antarctica, uh, so that just kind of fizzles all out. And Leticia just says, like, I don't know, I'll go like travel or something gay like that. I don't know. Uh, she should yeah. uh, she should get on a plane and come to me instead. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, I think that pretty much that pretty much more or less summarizes up the uh, the story. I mean, I guess is there any other Lucy? Well, hold on, Frig. You forgot something. Oh. This wouldn't be an episode of the Weavecast without uh, arbitrarily mentioning Pretty Cure. Oh. Now, you've got a screenshot here of Jewish Frigg talking to Frankenstein. He's got three posters at his oh, gamer yeah. computer. One is Flash Boy, which is Mega Man. He's got Shogun Evil. I don't know what that is. But he's also got a poster which says Magical Medical Musical. Now, what year did Apocrypha come out in? 2017. Okay, and what year did Healing Good come out in? That was 2019, oh. 2020. So basically, what I'm saying is that Apocrypha probably predicted healing good. Yes. Yeah. And Frankenstein was a fan of it. Yeah, and he was a fan. Yeah. I mean, Jewish Frig is just based. He's a cool dude. He is based. By the way, uh, we know that he is Jewish uh, in the show because he's uh, in his last moments with Frankenstein. He's standing in front of some weird fucking menorah thing doing something. So. Yeah. Well, they all use yeah, like a weird. They menorah. all. They all use like a yeah. They don't even like you know most magic shows. They have you know the the wit the you know, mages use like stars of David or whatever to do magic. But this guy just straight up has a fucking menorah with a star of David on it. So there's really no questions here. This is pretty unambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> I I saw I saw menorah in my Jewish neighbor's window, and I wasn't sure if they were celebrating Hanukkah or in the Holy Grail War. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I think that's everything. Anything else anyone has to say? Do you think... Uh, I mean, it did mention that Jan was still a virgin. Um, do you yeah. think she would... Uh, you know, Do you think with a little bit of cajoling she could at least be like a butt slut or something like that? Yeah, I think... I think well, she could cajoling, so definitely. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. yeah, they do a lot of that loophole Loop, stuff. Loophole, loophole, loophole. Yeah. Or they yeah. say, like, oh, stuff. They can suck the entire football team's dicks, but not, like, right. take it in the badge. You know? Right. That's commonplace. Yeah. I course. think that, I mean, that, that matches up with Jan's dojins. Um, also, <laughs> Jan's dojins, we know she she is a bit of an armpit slut, and she, I mean, she has very nice armpits that in this. That is fucking base. She also sweats a lot more than the other characters. Yeah. Um... um so yeah. metallic wearing metallic armor with nothing under it does tend to cause a lot of condensation so yeah so uh would you guys recommend fate apocrypha i would say yeah did you uh i'm kind of mixed on this because coming on we watched fate zero beforehand and it's like watching suburban nights and then watching the linkara movie although no, not nearly no, as drastic no. of a comparison but, like, season one is pretty rough because there's just so many fucking characters and all these, yeah. like, really schizophrenic fight scenes. And season two feels like the, like all the ideas and concepts are fully realized. And you can't just skip to season two. You kind of have to sit through the, you know, not nearly as good parts in season one to really appreciate the finished product, the complete realized idea. You have to have the patience yeah. to, you know, get through the hard 
parts to get to also, the Also, season stuff, two is sure. Orchard's anime, so See, to, yeah. to be honest, um, to use the, uh, the Channel Awesome comparison, I would say it's more like watching Suburban Nights and then watching Kick-Assia. Where Kikassia, yeah. like Fate Apocrypha, does drag at some points, but it but does overall, have some of the best moments in the series. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it is just so long. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I would recommend this a lot. Um, it's I like this more than Unlimited Blade Works, and um, uh, not more than Zero or Heaven's Field, but definitely more than uh, UBW. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, UBW was probably a more pretty anime, but I do yeah. like the story. I think this just had a more compelling story it, yeah. that's interesting and less of a drag to get through. Uh, like, Though, I mean, I would still recommend, if you're going to watch it, I would still stick with the yeah. sort of orthodox watch order. Watch this last. Yeah. Watch this last out of, uh, you know, the, the primary series, you know, so go through your Unlimited Blade Works first. And you know. Some people some people recommend Zero first in Unlimited Blade Works. I don't think Zero is bad to watch first. I'd probably I recommend that first. Watch first. It just will kind of maybe... Some yes. of the more... Some of the more... If you're... The elements of Heaven's Feel, I think, might not be as impactful if you watch Zero first. Yeah. But I, don't know. But I, I think... Go with it anyway. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to watch it without uh, reading reading the VM, watching uh, Zero helps uh, explain yeah. some of the things that Zero is better at giving exposition. Apocrypha, uh, like, like the name, uh, it's just I, I think it may be canon, but like it's it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really affect the main story. Yeah, it does, um, and it's just fun. Of- Everything that seems to happen in Apocrypha does seem to be totally irrelevant to the the canon timeline of Fate Stay Night, which happens afterwards. It doesn't seem to really make that big of a difference in it, yeah. so I don't think it will necessarily ruin your experience if you watched it earlier, but uh, yeah. I would just watch the first ones first, uh, yeah. just so that, you know, you get all the presuppositional ideas instead of you know, kind of having to constantly check the wiki to understand what's going yeah. on. I think I think Fate Apocrypha, again, I would highly recommend it. Uh, I, I think a lot of people didn't like it because they thought it was going to be the next Fate Zero. Uh, they kind of yeah. put it on that level, and it's not. I, I would say yeah. put it on the level of something like Case Files or like... Um, Ilya, or um, what's the other? Uh, one? Don't do Ilya. That, don't, don't do not, Ilya. Not Ilya. Not Ilya. Don't do that. I'm Ilya's sorry. Ilya's I'm much. Sorry. Well, first of all, Ilya is is like a me- uh, mega epic saga. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Over a hundred episodes. It, you really got to. Yeah. Only the more, most committed fate fans should reward themselves yeah, yeah. with Prisma Ilya. Yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. But put it more on the it level of something like, funny. as far as expectations go, with like uh, case files or. Uh, carnival phantasm or shit like that um it's a spin-off but it's a lot of fun having that in mind uh it has some some of the best characters in the franchise in it it's really good uh some people that are very autistic about lore and shit might not like it but i don't know i i i just love this anime so much that makes me a casual or whatever i don't really care it's just a lot of fun i'm still excited to you know i still haven't gone through case files yet myself but definitely i think i think case files just based on the synopsis i've read of it would be a great uh It'd be great if you're going to watch this first and then Case Files afterward. I think those two will really fit together in the continuum more so uh, than some of the other spinoffs. So 
if you really do like, if you watch this and you really do like it, I, I think you'll uh, also really like uh, Case Files. As yeah, well. we'll do we'll do Case Files on the show at some point. We some uh, point, yeah. we got a lot of backlog. Yeah, we got through. a lot of stuff. We're we're done with Fate for a little bit. <laughs> you know, we we know that Powder Keg, our most committed listener, you know, wants to uh, kill himself every time we have to talk about Fate because uh, he already hears it twenty four hours a day in his <laughs> chat. Yeah. So we'll try to spare him some of that uh, for a few episodes. Yeah. We're going to take a break. Uh, Bees of Christmas. We might take like a break off. There might only be one episode in uh, January. Uh, we're doing Garan Laga next. And then we're going to do Naruto at some point. Uh, so stay hyped for that. Twitter, DLive. I'm Big Tony1611 on DLive and Twitter. I'm going to be streaming throughout the month. Uh, if you're like, oh, I miss the Weebcast guys uh, during December, we're going to be there. And um, Frig also is on Twitter. Frig, what's yeah. your Twitter? Twitter at BaseFrignat. And if you want to follow me on DLive, at Friginator. Um, I usually stream like Genshin Impact and sometimes some FGO. Uh, I'm also working on a little side project with uh, the Chibot. If any of y'all have seen that on some of my recent streams. Yeah. No, it's a big fan favorite, so I'll be bringing her yeah. back up eventually. Might do some collabs with Flamenco on that. And uh, Jejun, what's your thing? Uh, yeah, so the Twitter is at Autistic Genius, and YouTube is Outlaw Otaku. Watch my shitty Pokemon videos. I got a really epic Fumo-related mailbox yeah. video coming up for Christmas. You're going to love yeah. it. It's got all the special guests like Disco and Tony adding in the mix. It's going to be really hype. Yeah. Stay looking forward to it yeah uh you know jejun to sell you on his youtube he is the original uploader of the gary's mod you're gonna suck this cock video that's him like that's not him saying it but it's him recording it and uploading it. and that's just a classic video as well as he wrote dr piccolo's extra heavy dosage it's great um you know i'm honored to have weebcast related content on the same channel as such uh, classic videos mm-hmm. as that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, thank you for watching. Check us out on other platforms like DLive and Twitter, and uh, we will see you later.